But we have been in the book of James in our James series. And I'm just going to jump right into it. We're going to, we didn't do meet and greet because we spent too much time worshiping. So that's okay. We met Jesus. I'm going to take off my stuff here while I'm talking. So just don't worry about me. As we've been going through the book of James, we've been talking about faith and works. And really, these have been the key themes of the book of James. So as we conclude the series today, which is really we're going to be taking a look at James 5, and I want us to talk about prayer. I want to focus in on the power of prayer, and not just prayer, but praying with results. Praying with results. Now, let me ask this question. How many of you have ever felt like your prayer life is maybe not very, there's no results with it. I mean, have you ever felt that way? Or is that just me? I mean, I've definitely felt that at times. Kind of like, God, do you hear me? You up there? Hello, is this thing on, God? You know? And so you get into these prayer moments and you're wondering, is it working? Am I doing something wrong? So I want to encourage you today about a few things we're going to talk about with praying with results. But before we do that, let's pray, shall we? Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the next few moments that we have together, that your Holy Spirit speak to us and guide us in every way. Lord, be with us as we dive into your word, and I pray that it become revelation and food for our soul. We thank you for this. Let us walk in it. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. So when we cover a book of the Bible, right, from a, um, a Sunday morning perspective, you, it's difficult to go through every single verse. And so what I've been doing through this is kind of taking the passages that I feel the Lord's been pulling out to me for the church. So what I'd like us to do is begin in James chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 13 through 18. Now, I highly encourage you, if you haven't done so already, read the entire book of James. It honestly won't take you that long. It's not a huge book. Um, it'll bless you tremendously, and it'll stir your faith. But we're going to focus in on prayer. So starting in verse 13, it says this. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Hallelujah. Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Ooh, that's a good one. Can we pause there? Because when we talk about confessing, you confess to Jesus and he forgives your sin. But this says confess it to one another and pray for one another so you can be healed. That there is something supernatural that takes place when you're able to get with a trusted brother or sister in Christ and confess. I'm going through this. I did this. I messed up. Help me. Pray with me. The Lord forgives your sins, but healing happens when you're working together. Everybody say amen. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Now, can you imagine this, Elijah? 
His prayer life, his connection with God was so powerful. He was so favored and loved by God that he could actually pray something as bold as, don't let it rain for three years, God. Amen. And the Lord honored that prayer. Now that's powerful. So when we talk about prayer, prayer is directly connected to our relationship with God and how deep our relationship will or will not go. So I want to give you some key thoughts today. I'm actually going to give you six. Okay, I know it's a lot. Don't get overwhelmed. But let's jump into them real fast. First, let's talk about prayer. Prayer is about relationship. Prayer is about relationship. In James 5.16, we just said it. Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed because the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So God is omniscient, right? It means he knows everything. So why doesn't he just fix all of our problems without us knowing it? You ever thought that? In fact, this is one of the arguments that non-believers have. Well, if your God's so great, then why does pain exist? Why does this happen? Why, why, why? So because that exists, I won't believe in God. And it's a funny justification system that has no merit or value because there's answers for everything. But God is omniscient. Why doesn't he just fix our problems without us knowing? Well, first of all, I bet he probably does. You just didn't know it. <laughs> you ever been in that moment where, you know, you should have hit the car, but you didn't? You should have got taken out, but he missed you by that much? The other day, my son tried to kill my wife on accident. No, for real. We were at Top Golf, total accident. And he'd, he'd hit the club head, and he went back for the backswing, and the thing just flew off. And it went whoosh, right by our face. I mean, that thing was cooking. And we all sat there, him included. We were all like, what just happened? The club just broke. I'm suing Top Golf, you know? <laughs> Except it was our club. So it's like, oh, I should have bought a nicer club, you know? <laughs> that thing missed her by like an inch. And we just, we went over it. Like we had to like take a moment. Like if that would have just, if you would have, oh my, your eye, your face. Oh, but it didn't happen. Well, hallelujah. Amen. How many times does God protect us in those small ways, right? So why doesn't God just fix all our problems without us knowing why? He wants glory. God wants relationship with you. He wants to know you. He's interested in you. He likes you. He wants to connect with you. <laughs> spending time in prayer is no different than spending time with your spouse or a friend or a loved one. And if you never spend time with your spouse, come on, you start feeling disconnected. Even if you see them every day, you can feel disconnected. Now, how many married couples in the room? Wave at me a little bit. All right. That's okay. How many uh, are not married, but you want to be married? Come on. Where are you at? Nate, you better raise your hand, bro. Okay. All right. And, um, you know, so whether you're married or you want to be married or all these things are going on, um, I don't know about your premarital counseling, but I read a little book called The Five Love Languages. Now, if you've probably heard of this book, that guy who wrote it is probably so rich. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so everybody has read this book in premarital counseling. One of the love languages is quality time. And my wife has quality time as a love language. And so I could spend lots of time with my wife, let's say working. We could spend lots of time doing things with the children, uh, doing things, you know, bills, house management, errands, right? Grocery store. That's not a date. 
I've had to learn that. I'm like, we went on a date. We went to the grocery store, you know? It was awesome. We got apples. I love you. That's not a date. <laughs> That's not quality time. That's quality to me. We got apples. I like apples. But that there is a strategic difference of spending on purpose quality time with your spouse. Friendship can be the same. If you're not married, think of your friends, right? If you just kind of see them at school, hang out with them, give them a high five in the hall, it's different than having meaningful conversation, going to lunch, going to dinner, and actually connecting with that person. So as we know this in relationships, relationships either grow deep or they grow further away by the amount of quality time we put into the relationship. Now, what is prayer? Prayer is about relationship. If you're like, well, I go to church. I listen to the worship song on Caleb periodically. You know, I, I read my scripture of the day on my phone. What more do you want, God? That's like taking the Lord to the grocery store and getting apples. <laughs> what? We're tight, right? No, that prayer is about going deeper in the relationship. Saying, Lord, I'm going to spend some quality time with you. I want to pray. I want to get in your word. I want to know who you are. I want you to show me who I am in your eyes. Lord, I want to know you. And when you know him, you begin to know yourself better. So we have to understand the power of prayer is going deeper into the relationship. And all God's people say amen. So prayer is about relationship, but also prayer aligns us with the Father's heart. It aligns you with the Father's heart. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. In this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer aligns us with the Father's heart. How do we know what God's will is? You ever heard that? Especially when I was younger, I'd hear it all the time. You know, serve God, follow his will, follow his will. I'm like, I don't know what his will is. We had bracelets. I don't know if you remember the 90s. What would Jesus do? I think they're still around, but they were real big in the 90s. WWJD, you know, and you'd wear them. But a lot of people wore them, had no idea what Jesus would do. And the only reason I knew that was by what they were doing, why they had the bracelet on. Are you here? Okay. I don't think that's what Jesus would do, you know. So how do we know what God's will is? First of all, the Bible. The Bible is God's written word for humanity to reveal to you who he is, his love for you, his purpose. It reveals the law, reveals sin. It reveals freedom from that law. It reveals righteousness cannot be done on our own. It can only be received through him. It reveals that when we receive Christ, that we can have freedom and actually walk in his righteousness that we could never do on our own. On and on it goes. We begin to learn the will of the Father. And then when you learn the will of the Father in general, you begin to understand the will for your life. And then all of a sudden, you become a new creation as you surrender your life to God. So the Bible reveals that. But then prayer is now the second tier of this. It's your communication tool with God. And if we approach God with humility and ask him, Lord, what is your will for my life? He will make his desire your desire. How cool is that? Now, I've had people tell me, you know, man, I prayed. I prayed for a billion dollars. I didn't get it. God's not real. That's a little funny thinking. I prayed for a million. I just wanted a million in cash. And I prayed for it for like a month every day. I said, God, give me a million dollars in cash. Now, is a million dollars bad? No, of course not. But if there's no purpose to the things that we're praying and it's only fleshly driven, we're not honoring God's will for our life. So therefore, we're stopping up our prayer life because we're praying out of the flesh. You know, if you get around young 
young people sometimes are like, Lord, let me get to know that girl right now in Jesus' name. And her. And her. No. <laughs> are we praying in the spirit or are we praying in the flesh, right? And so how do we differentiate the word, right? We have to know his will. So prayer begins to align you with the Father's heart. So when your prayer life is in order, all of a sudden, your connection to understand him and his desire for, and all of a sudden you realize, hey, God does want me to have a woman, a Proverbs 30 woman, right? You know, Proverbs 31, all that. Oh, God wants me to have a righteous woman. God, and so all of a sudden, it's okay to pray. God, bring me that woman. Lord, bring me the one you want for my life. Bring, and women, the same thing. God wants you to have a godly man, a, a godly husband. A man who will cover your house, who will be there for you, undergird you, supports you, lift you up, that you can do life together. Pray for that person. But we have to align the prayers with his will. Are you in the house? Say yes. We're talking about praying with results. So prayer is about relationship. It aligns you with the Father's heart. Prayer positions you, this third one, to ask fruitfully. This is the results part. How do we get results with our prayer? Prayer positions us to ask fruitfully. Matthew 7, verse 7 through 11. Ask, Jesus said these words, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Hallelujah. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, he gives him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he'll give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? When you begin to get your alignment in order, the relationship in order, you can ask anything of God, and the doors will be opened. Now, again, let's take it back to the relationship with your spouse. If you don't honor that marriage, have the quality time, spend time connecting and all those things. But then, hey, I need to ask you something. Can, we, can you do this? It's going to be a lot harder ask in the natural sometimes. Oh, so now you want this from me, but you haven't given me these things that really you should be giving me in the first place. Do you know... We're made in the image and likeness of God. So we have to understand something that God operates a lot of times the same way. Not emotionally, hear me out. But if we don't understand who God is and the connection and we don't have the deep, deeper things, we don't know how to ask or what to even ask for because we don't even know if it's what he wants for our life. But the deeper we go in our prayer life, the more we're aligned with the father's heart. Now, all of a sudden, you can start asking for things, and you'll start seeing results like you're dreaming of. Why? Because you know what his will is. You read his word. You said, hold up. This is a promise? Lord, this is your promise that, God, Lord, I can walk in prosperity? Father, this is your promise that, Lord, I can walk in a way of righteousness that I don't have to be bound to sin? How, so now you can say, Father, free me from this thing that's got me. You're praying in alignment, and he'll give you whatever you ask for. Are you in the place? And so 
if we, even without Christ, know to give our children good gifts, that's what Jesus was saying, how much more is your father ready to pour out his blessings on your life? Pour out his abundance. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes you pray for something, and you start getting the answer, but it doesn't come the way you anticipated. Now, this is important for us to get a hold of because so many times we're like, God, I've used this example before. Give me patience. Lord, give me patience. He will give you plenty of testing of your patience. He will put you in the most aggravating of situations to test your patience. <laughs> if you say, God, give me big muscles, give me big muscles. What do you think God would do? He'd send you to the gym. I don't want to lift weights. I just want the muscles. No, you don't get the result without the work. Are you here? And in the same way, when we are praying for certain things, the Lord is so good to us. He says, oh, I see your heart. You want this time to go to work. I want to train you. I want to push you. I want to guide you. And he will begin to create opportunities. He'll begin to push you and stretch you. I, I remember when I first started praying, Lord, I want to preach your gospel. I mean, I had it in me, but I wasn't really preaching at all yet. And it was pretty scary to think about it. And all of a sudden, these opportunities, these, these crazy things would come my way. And I'd feel the Lord, preach. Like, well, right now? Not now, God, you know? I don't feel comfortable right now, you know? God says, I don't care. Preach. And in the same way, we have to remember that our prayers are connected to faith. And so your prayer walk and your faith walk is in what's called a, a stretching that faith and comfortable living don't really go hand in hand. I'm sorry. It's not the way God made it. That when Peter stepped out of a boat to walk on water, it wasn't a comfortable situation. When, when Jesus went and healed the sick and they all tried to kill him over, it, it wasn't really comfortable. But he did it anyways. And so in the same way, it's like, no, God, I want victory in my house. God will then reveal to you what to do to give victory. And then you got to do it. He'll show it to you. Father, I want to be freed from this temptation. You need to do some things, and he'll reveal to you what to do and take it. This is why you got to confess at times to others, too, because they're going to pray and help you get set free. Are you in the room today? Come on. we got to get in alignment with his will. But prayer will position you to begin asking fruitfully. See, a lot of times we look up to heaven like he's a genie in a bottle or something. And the Lord is not like that at all. The Lord is so much greater than that. He's He's the creator of our universe. And his love is so real and tangible. A genie in a bottle, there's no love there. First of all, it's fiction. Secondly, I don't know if Will Smith, you know, is who I want as my genie, you know. It's a movie, you know, Aladdin. Okay, anyways. But God is, God doesn't operate the way that we see in Hollywood. That God operates in such a deep way that he'll do surgery on your heart if that's what it takes. He'll heal your body if that's what it takes. He'll, he'll stretch you out of your comfort zone if that's what it takes. He'll actually ask you to give everything away if that's what it takes. But if you obey him, he'll cover your needs. Oh, are, you, are you hearing what I'm saying? There was a rich man who approached Jesus and he said, Jesus, I've done everything that your word commands. I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. Jesus, he's like, can I follow you? What, what's it going to take to be with you in heaven? He said, sell everything you have and follow me. And the man walked away and was saddened because he was a rich man. Now, why is that? Jesus knew, yeah, that's good, but you're leaning on self-righteousness right now. I want to go right to the center of your heart. The thing that you value more than me is what I'm going to point at. 
And so God many times will do that to us. He'll point at the thing that we might be placing above him, and that's what he wants to take off the throne. He wants his life on our throne of our life. And when we position him there, you know what would have happened to that man if he would have gave everything away? He probably would have got 10 times in return. And he probably would have gave it all away again. And on and on it goes because that's how the kingdom works. When we get into a spirit of generosity, into a spirit of giving, in a spirit of response, it's amazing what God does in the response. He starts pouring more into your life. Remember, Jesus said, if you're not faithful with small things, how can I make you ruler over many things? And so the same is true in our walk with Christ. Be faithful in the small things. Be faithful in the areas he gives you. I know when I wanted to preach, uh, I saw mentors and people that preached to hundreds of thousands or millions of people and all these things. Oh, I want to be them. I want to be them. And God says, great. Here's where you're going to start. Kids ministry. I don't want to preach to kids. I'm above that. Nope. And until you learn this lesson, you will never do anything. Are you hearing me? And for all you preachers in the room, we need kids workers. Okay. <laughs> we do, for real. Okay. <laughs> That's where I started. Right? And so we have to start where God creates the opportunities, but be faithful in them. And don't look at your age and be like, well, I've graduated. I'm, I'm this age, and I am so accomplished. Maybe you are in your career and your field, but the kingdom of heaven is about humility. And if I ever think that I'm above helping a person who's a certain um, demographic or uh, has a certain amount of money or lack thereof or whatever, I failed instantly. Because what would Jesus do? All right, let me tell you three things that prayer does. Are you ready for these? I'm going to popcorn them to you real fast. Number one, when your prayer life is activated, it shuts the mouth of the enemy. The enemy's coming at you like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Prayer shuts the mouth of that enemy. Daniel is my example for this. He prayed three times a day. And the king put a decree out and says, you can't pray anymore. He went back to his window and prayed three times a day. The punishment was capital punishment. They'd throw him into a lion's den and let lions eat them. That's brutal. And they're hungry, too. I mean, they threw him down there. But as he prayed, the lions didn't attack him. The Lord literally shut the mouth of the lions and he tamed them while he was down there. They couldn't believe it. Why? Prayer shut the mouth of the enemy. You might be facing the biggest. Uh, Daniel in the natural should have died almost instantly and been torn to shreds by those lions. But through the power of prayer, the, the lion's mouths were shut and he was fine. Do you realize that when your prayer life is in order, you could be in life or death situations and God miraculously just has a shield around you that nothing can touch you, nothing can get to you. And it's not anything that you are. It's because you are his son and his daughter. Are you with me? It shuts the mouths. Of the lion's den. Number two, it opens our ears to hear God's voice. Prayer opens your ears to hear God's voice. My dad used to always say this. Sometimes we're on AM and God's on FM. That he's speaking, but we're on the wrong station. We're on the wrong frequency. And so when you are in prayer, it, you get on the same station. You get on the same frequency with God. And now he's sp speaking, but now it's not like he wasn't speaking. You just couldn't hear him because your ears were stopped up, usually because of our own pride and our flesh. But prayer begins to break these things down, and all of a sudden, the Lord starts communicating with us. He's communicating right now. He wants to speak to you, but we have to be in a position to hear him. 
David was in a, a place like this, and he was greatly distressed in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. They went to fight, and the enemy came and took their city, destroyed it, and they took all their wives and children. So when his warriors and him came back, they were grieved. They thought they were all dead. They didn't know what was happening. And then they wanted to kill him because they were so angry. They said, well, let's kill our leader. It's his fault. How many know that's a bad day? That's a bad day. David said to Abathar the priest, Amalek's son, please bring me the ephod here. So Abathar brought the ephod to David. And David, what the ephod represent, by the way, was his priestly garment. He set his swords down. He set his warrior's stuff down. He put on the priestly garment, which represented prayer. That was his prayer time. That was his anointing to go before the Lord as a priest, not as the king of the people, as a humble priest. So he put the ephod on. In verse 8, David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue? Shall I overtake? And he answered him, Pursue. You shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Prayer took David out of the struggle he was in and positioned him into God's presence. Once he was in God's presence, his flesh was silenced and his spiritual ears were tuned into God's voice and he heard what to do. He acted, it took faith, and then God moved on his behalf and everything God said was accomplished. Prayer will open your ears to hear his voice. And last but not least, prayer positions us to receive all that God has for us. It positions us to receive all that God has for us. Not some of it, but all of it. Prayer brought the people into a position for God. And I want to use the day of Pentecost as this final example. And Nikita, you can come up at this time. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Jesus told every follower when he left earth, he said, go and wait for the Holy Spirit, my promise to you. And day after day, people just kind of fell off. Like, I don't know what he meant. I don't know what he meant, so I'm just gonna walk away. You know how tempting it is and easy it is to walk away from the word that God gives you? It takes faith to stay in. It takes faith to hold on to that word. It takes faith to say, God, it hasn't happened yet, but I trust you. It hasn't happened yet, but I know it's going to come to pass because I know you so well. You'll never fail me. Your words will never fail. Your promises are yes and amen. So, Lord, even though it hasn't happened yet, I'm going to keep seeking you until it does. And that's what this remnant did. See, there were thousands that followed Christ. They estimated about 3,000 that were with Jesus around that time. But only 120 ended up in that, quote, upper room on the day of Pentecost. That's, that was the remnant. That was the ones that just were the wild, fiery, radical people that were like, I, I can't leave until I, we receive what Jesus promised us. 
And if we live here and die here, so be it. Because I'm going to hold on to that promise because I'm so surrendered to Christ. I'm going to fulfill the word he has for my life. And there they were. And they prayed. And boom, on the day of Pentecost. They didn't know the date. They didn't know the time. But the Holy Spirit fell on them. And the church was birthed. And the miracles took place. And I want to tell you something. I believe that this year, we've been praying for it, is a year of prophetic fulfillment. This is a year where the things that have been spoken over your life, maybe they were spoken years ago. I don't know. Maybe it's something that's just fresh or recent, but whatever it is, the Lord spoke this so clear to Terry and I. This is the year of prophetic fulfillment. Hallelujah. But it takes faith for us to receive that, doesn't it? It takes faith for us to grab a hold of that and say, God, this is the year these things are coming to pass. But you know, every day I declare it. Terry declares it. We declare it over our life. We declare it over this ministry, over this church, over everything we do over, around the world. We say, God, you have spoken things about this ministry we have not even seen come to pass. And the Lord says, this is the year of prophetic fulfillment. So for us even, we, we got, grabbed that word for us, but we felt the Lord say, this is for the house. This is for the church. This is for everybody who has faith to believe it, like those 120, to say, get ready. What are the things I've spoken to you, daughter? What are the things I've spoken to you, son? What are the things that I've laid out in front of you? Do you have faith to reach out that this year is the year you begin to walk in it? Do you have faith to believe this is the year that my hand moves and it becomes reality in your life? Not just a thought, not just a dream, but the reality that the vision begins to come to pass this is the year of prophetic fulfillment so father that's our prayer today hallelujah father we receive that word lord we take it in like those 120 did we just can't escape it i'm not going to walk away lord i can't personally walk away until i see it fulfilled because i know you spoke it and that came through praying so father i thank you lord today praying lord there's results with prayer and Lord, I pray that over my brothers and sisters today, that Lord, they can begin to walk as never before into prayer with you. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Amen. I want to challenge you this week. Everybody say this week. I want to challenge you this week. If you don't have a consistent prayer life, this is your week to start one. Don't think the year, don't think 10 years is too much. One week. Can you commit to 30 minutes of prayer a day for one week? Try it. God is great, God is good, and we thank him for this food, amen. If that's the essence of your prayer life, you might find your walk with God pretty shallow. But can you commit 30 minutes a day? Make the time. We make it for everything else, don't we? We make it for eating lunch. We make it for work. We make it for meetings. We make it for whatever. Make time for God, and he will be honored by that. And when you honor God, guess what? He, he just pours his blessings on you. He just pours his glory on you. He just, it's amazing what happens when you block time to spend with God our Father. How many would say, I want to try that this week? Anybody bold enough? I'm going to do it. I'm telling you, we're going to be praying in every day in Albania and all this, but join with us and pray for us please if you're not able to come on this trip pray for those who are going don't have to pray for 30 minutes just put it in your prayer life how many are still happy in this house come on let's give god a praise
I'm so happy you joined us for church today. And you know, I, we're, we're excited for what God is doing and what he's getting ready to do. And you know, we're just coming on the end of June, which means it's the end of uh, the first half of the year. So we're getting ready to start the second half of the year. And sometimes you might look at your year and be like, well, God hasn't done it yet, you know, and like you get all discouraged. Hey, we're not even halfway through this year yet. Watch what God can do. Look at what the Lord can do in an instant. Can he do it for you? I can answer. Yeah, he can. So get your faith high. Woo, I'm excited. We'll read the book of James. Keep reading it. Read it over and over. <laughs> and the rest of the New Testament <laughs> and the Bible as a whole. God will bless you for it. Hey, before we go today, we want to receive the tithe and offering. How many know it's blessed uh, to be a blessing? We're blessed to be a blessing. And uh, we want to encourage you to participate in giving as we dismiss today. We want to say thank you to every person who uh, gives at any given moment in time. We cannot exist. This ministry cannot exist without the faithful support of every person. And we're so grateful for you and thankful for you. And, um, you know, God's a big God. But when we respond in obedience, even in our giving, it's amazing what he does. You know, giving, I, I, I've said this several times. I'm going to keep saying it because it's part of our teaching. But biblically, what is giving financially? It's an act of worship. Always remember in the Old Testament, the Lord would say, hey, worship me like he did uh, Abraham. Worship me. And how do they worship? They would literally take their animals and kill them. But those animals represented their money. That was their livelihood. So whenever they would sacrifice a goat or a bullock or whatever it was, it was giving to the Lord, and he honored it. It was a part of our worship cycle. So if you're, if you're not doing that ever, or if you've never tried it, I want to encourage you to do it. Because just like in the Old Testament, if you uh, did everything else, but you didn't do that part of the worship, you wouldn't be fully honoring God the way that he would like you to honor him. But when you do, it's amazing how he connects with us. Terry and I set up, um, when, when we began the church, uh, we receive our uh, income for the most part through a salary. And so we just set up a reoccurring giving. And so we just, every week we receive and every week we give our first fruits. That's a commitment we've made to God since the beginning of our marriage to this day. We've never ceased. And God has never failed us. He's never forsaken us. We've always had enough. Uh, we've had seasons of abundance. We've had seasons of lack, but he's always been there. And when you trust in God, he'll bless you for it. So thank you for supporting and understand that your gifts don't only just touch our church, but this is the foundation and headquarters for what we do all over the world. So you're a part of that. You know, today there was a 103 other Expect Hope churches that had church today. Come on, let's praise God for that. That's a lot of people. And there's hundreds and hundreds of orphan children that right now have had lunch and dinner and going to bed because it's late there. All a part of the Expect Hope programs. You guys, this is a good mission to be a part of. So I want to bless the offering. If you want to give online, you can go to expecthopechurch.com or you can give by an envelope, cash or check, or you can even text this number uh, and it'll walk you through a process. But I want to bless the offering as we dismiss today. So grab, grab something that has a point of contact. I grab my phone since we give digitally. And if you have an envelope, grab that, whatever it is, and let's pray over it today. Let's bless him. Father, in Jesus' name, 
Lord, we pray over this offering. We pray over every gift that's about to be sown. I thank you that, Lord, you give, ah, you give us so much. And, Lord, we just want to respond and say thank you. Lord, we want to we sow it back into your kingdom. And, Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for the work of your kingdom right here through Expect Hope Church. We thank you for the youth, Lord, all the teenagers that were touched on Friday night. Thank you so much, Lord, for just making a way. We love the opportunities to pay for all the food and take care of all those needs so they can just come and enjoy. And, Lord, we just ask that, Lord, every seed that gets sown, Lord, our ministry is just being led by the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we know you, as you give the vision, you'll bring the provision. And so, Lord, as we participate as your people, you will bless us. Lord, that's how your system works, and I thank you for that. Rain down blessing on your sons and daughters over their businesses, over their jobs. Give them promotions. Give them favor. Give them contracts, whatever they need. And I thank you. We're a blessed people. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Hey, thank you so much for watching today, and I pray the message was a blessing to your life. If you want to stay up to date with all things Expect Hope, subscribe to us on YouTube and follow us on social media. You know, we can't do what we do without you. And if you'd like to make a donation to our ministry, please go to expecthopechurch.com. You know, it's impossible to meet all the needs without so many faithful supporters just like you. Thank you for your consideration. And if you're ever in the Denver area, we invite you to come join us for a service on Sunday morning. God bless you.